You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Locked On NFL. He's James Rapine. I'm Tony Wiggins, and I promise you, while we're on air, neither one of us will fire the other person. What's up, Jay? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, we both make it through this podcast. Not much, Tony. It's uh, We survived Black Monday, but I'm not sure uh, some of these other coaches are happy about it. Anthony Lynn is probably the one that might have the biggest gripe, I guess, after winning four straight out the out the door there in San, or in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, they, they lost some crazy games, and I know the guys mentioned it on, on the uh, the Tuesday show that all of the guys got fired. We'll recap that just a little bit because there's been some moves and some shaking on who's uh, actually uh, being looked at to replace those guys. There's a lot of the same names uh, going around the league, and uh, we'll try to match up who fits where. We actually jumped the gun on that a little bit a a few weeks ago, but it's cool that we did because now we can look back and see exactly how it's worked out. Let's start in my hometown, Jacksonville. Uh, as expected, it's weird. Let me tell you the weird scenario, right? So all the rumors came out about Urban Meyer taking his job Saturday. I had mentioned it on a podcast in December, on our NFL podcast, in fact, on December 16th, that Urban Meyer's name was being floated around. So those rumors came out to be true. James, the weirdest thing happened when those rumors came out, and Doug Marone came out Sunday in his press conference after they went 1-15, and and he said, he heard him. So what he did Saturday night was he called Jaguars owner Shad Khan and said, what's going on? Is Urban going to be the coach? And Shad says, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know anything about that. And I'm paraphrasing it all. So eventually they met Monday. We were supposed to hear from the media at nine at 10. They pushed it back to 1030. We knew what time it was and word came out that Doug Marone uh, was gone. I'm not surprised. We're not surprised here either. No, not at all. It, this was this was going to happen. And it should happen. Whether it's it's fair or not, you're going to get Trevor Lawrence. You you have the future of the franchise. People are going to be paying attention to the Jaguars more with Trevor Lawrence as a rookie than they were even in the AFC title year. They, they, they really are. That's what it does when you get a quarterback like that. And you're talking national TV games. And heck, if you if you get a guy like Urban Meyer, right, and you can get a guy like Urban Meyer. This is the first time in, in franchise history you could probably do that. So you go do it. So yep. I wouldn't blame them at all for doing that. I don't know where you stand on it, but I think that this – I look at the cap space that Jacksonville has. I, I look at Urban Meyer who, yeah, he's not going to be your GM, but he's going to be your de facto GM if he goes there. I, I think that you, you try to strike while the iron is hot because it, I know Urban thinks he's better than Nick Saban, right, on the, the coaching ranks. Of course well, he does. Well, he's not going to pass Nick Saban in college. Right. The way he's going to pass him with his health issues is by going to the league and winning in the league, which is something Saban didn't do, and that would give him an edge. Right. The only guy that's done it is, is I, I, Jimmy Johnson and Pete Carroll are two guys that come to mind uh, that have done that. So uh, if Urban can pull that off, he, he'd be sitting in some, some rarefied company uh, in, in order to do that. Now, it's not etched in stone. There's been some – uh, not necessarily some backtracking, but Shad has really gone about his business here, and he's uh, apparently asked to interview some other candidates. I think they've asked to interview Eric Bieniemy, mm-hmm. uh, Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, 
um, at Tennessee, as well as Robert Sala. Uh, these are all names that we expected to be interviewed by a lot of people, and we'll mention those names too with other teams. But, yeah, it's not done yet, but there's a golden opportunity here. And what I told fans in Jacksonville is this, and you guys can understand this. I said it's not just about getting Trevor, even though that's the biggest piece. And Shad talked about how elusive a franchise quarterback has been for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if you just focus on that and don't get someone who knows how to do the other things, you turn into the Houston Texans. And what I mean by that is that's not to cast aspersions on our friends at Locked On Texans or Houston, but they have a top five quarterback, in my opinion, and they don't have one of the 10 best teams in the league. And normally that doesn't work that way. Um, and they're, they're in a bad spot and they're in a bad situation. When you have a great quarterback without great infrastructure, that's what you turn out to be. This is a situation where you have to aim to try to be the Patriots, the Cowboys of the 90s, the 49ers of the 80s. This is what you do when you're in this situation because you can actually turn this situation into something big. It can become a destination. Right. People think of, about the Indianapolis Colts as overall a well-run organization. Exactly. Right? And if you've been in Indianapolis, it's great. I mean, it's a great city. Well, ask people that are from there what Indy was like pre-Peyton Manning. It, it, it changed everything. Agree. And, and, and I think if you're Jacksonville and really any team that's going into a, a situation like this, I cover a team like it in, in the Cincinnati Bengals. When you land the franchise quarterback, you have to take advantage of it. That's the big concern in Cincinnati, right? They feel like they're fumbling it away right now with everything that's gone on since Joe Burrow was drafted. Well, this is a chance for Jacksonville to be more relevant than they've ever been, to be uh, to reach new heights. And, and if you get the head coach right, and you obviously get the front office infrastructure right, and it could be as simple as hiring Urban and just raising the profile. Who, who knows college football better than him right now? Because he's drafting, you know, if he comes in, you're drafting a lot of guys he's either competed against, coached against, or coached. And he's not and recruited, that far removed. And recruited, right? And recruited, absolutely. And so that's the thing here. And you saw that with Pete Carroll the first couple of years in Seattle. They had killer drafts, right? Richard Sherman, perfect example. They get him in the fifth round. Well, how did they do that? How were they able to pull it off? Because Pete Carroll just drafted better than everybody else. And I, I think that they were better in the mid-rounds and later rounds than they were in the first round the first couple of years. And I, I think that that's – that that's part of it. So, and I may be off on that, but but he drafted really well. And no, I no, you're right. You're right. That's the key with Urban. You hire him, you're going to kill it in the draft. You have a bunch of money to spend, and you're getting Trevor Lawrence. Some backdrop too on that, real quick. Um, we can stretch that out. Pete Carroll recruited Richard Sherman out of L.A. as a wide receiver. Richard Sherman went to Stanford. No, I'm sorry. He recruited him as a DB. He went to Stanford mm -hmm. and, and Harbaugh tried to play him at wide receiver. He ended up going back to corner. And then when he went in the fifth round because his college career didn't go very well, Carroll remembered him from high school and knew what he was capable of. You see, it's the relationship, right? Yep. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. Uh, speaking, let's stay in L.A. real quick. That's a really good job, too, because they have really good players and they have a really good quarterback. My only fear about the Chargers job uh, shout out to Locked On Chargers, is that whoever gets that job is going to be expected to, rent, to win right away because of Herbert, because of Keenan Allen, because of uh, Bosa and Ingram and the return of Derwin James. There's going to be pressure that in the first two years you got to get it because sooner or later some of those guys are going to get to the late 20s, early 30s, and then Derwin James and both 
the quarterback are going to want money and you're going to run out of time. That's the only reason I rank the Jaguars job a little bit higher because they're ready to go now. And they requested Brian Daybold and we've talked about it. That's a perfect spot for him. And I think they've also requested an interview with Joe Brady. And that's the one. That's the one. Because what what worked for the Rams, your Los Angeles counterpart, when you had a second-year quarterback and a, a team that was ready to win, we didn't realize it at the time, but was ready to win. They went and got this offensive genius, this offensive prodigy, and a guy in Sean McVay, still a really good head coach. I, I think that's there's no denying it. He might not get the love that he got a couple of years ago, but I, I still think he's up there in the coaching ranks in the NFL. Joe Brady's the next Sean McVay. I feel confident in saying that. I think he is that. And the reason I feel that way is because at every level, he's had success, instant success. He was with the Saints. Then he goes to LSU. What do they do? They go 15-0. and 0. Joe Burrow becomes the, the Heisman Trophy winner, and he unlocks all of this stuff that Urban Meyer didn't unlock at Ohio State that a lot of good coaches couldn't unlock. And then he goes to Carolina. Oh, it's a bad team. Okay, fine. 2,000-yard receivers, a limited quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. Gets a decent amount out of him without Christian McCaffrey, well, with, with certain guys out and injuries on the offensive line and things like that. So that would be what I would do. Um, but you're right. It's, it's the second best job. And I, I could also see them, and I haven't seen it yet, but you know, I haven't heard the rumor. Why wouldn't they go after Urban? What, why wouldn't they go for the – you're in Los Angeles. You're an afterthought in Los Angeles. Uh, you have the quarterback in, in Justin Herbert. Why not go for the – and I get it, the splashy hire doesn't always work, but for the big splash headline type hire, it's going to make you relevant in the City of Angels, which is is really hard to do because there's so much going on. That's the other team that I've heard connected to him, and officially he hasn't interviewed with anyone. And there's a report that he wants $12 million, and now they're pulling that back. So we'll it, just... can, can I say something on the 12th? That, that's completely reasonable. I don't like, care. This, yeah. I, th- th- this idea that these NFL franchises – should should only spend six million dollars on a head coach. What do you what are you what are we talking about? We're talking about billion dollar franchises in a coach that runs the show, yeah, that runs the team. And it's Urban not salary cap money. At, yeah, at 12 million, that's not crazy money. 15 no. million isn't crazy money. And and so I, I think that people that are like oh, 12 million, I get a grip. He deserves he probably deserves more than 12 million. My thing is, what do you care? I can understand it when you think about players, and I really don't understand it very much then because to me that's too much pocket watching. But what do you care? It's not salary cap. It doesn't prevent them from signing another player. It's not going to make your ticket prices go. Why do you care what an owner spends on a coach? For the life of me, there are more things for you to worry about as a fan than that. I tell you what, let's uh, think about and carry this over to the other side because I'll tell you my my affinity for Daybowl. I'm going to tell you about that. And then we're going to talk about some of these other gigs too. Obviously we got to mention a little bit of the backlash between uh, the judge and the giants and Philly and all of that stuff. In that third segment where we talk draft, we're going to talk one of my favorite prospects. We're going to talk Najee Harris. People always talk about running backs and you can find one. The Jaguars found James Robinson. He wasn't even drafted, but Najee Harris is different. Has Derek Henry and his presence and his value at 2000 yards, made Najee Harris some more money because Najee's so big and strong and with that physical uh, style of running. We're going to break down Najee Harris and see what teams at the back of the draft he'd look good uh, playing for in the NFL and what his stock is. Let's do that in the second segment here on Locked On NFL. This episode is brought to you by 1010. 
1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. All right, man, we're back here on a Wednesday. James Rapine, Tony Wiggins on Locked On NFL. We're jumping right into it. We're not going to waste any time. Um, with all of the jobs that are being filled, I, I, I saw Miami and Buffalo play the other day. Because we're going to get to Tua in a minute, too. We're going to talk about Tua and the fact that Miami's picking number three and what, the, what, what should they do. But let's get to – I'm going to tell you what my love, my, my love fest is for Daybowl. I think he's an elite play caller as well, but there's mm -hmm. something, there's something about him coming from the tight end position that tells me that even though he's a play caller and he can air it out, that he won't forget. He won't forget the nuts and bolts. He won't forget that hardcore stuff. I think that's why I have an affinity for him and probably because he's a little bit chubby and bald. You know what I'm saying? He, you know, he's, he's like, he's got, he's built like me a little bit. And he doesn't. You're look not like bald, a, Tony. Yeah, I ain't bald. He he doesn't look like a fighter pilot. You know what I'm saying? But there's just this toughness. And by the way, somebody who listens to Locked On NFL Buffalo told me, "Don't be talking good about our Bills because of that jinx." Now, it, see, we broke it. I talked good about them, and they went out and scored fifty something points. But it's just something. no. You it did not break. The, hey, the Wiggins jinx has not been broken. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they make the AFC title game, then okay. it's broken. That right. means they have to beat the Chiefs. All right. Going to beat the Chiefs. All right. That, that, that's fair. I had to get my day bowl off. But let me talk about uh, Tua, TT, Tua Tagovailoa. What would you do, man? I mean, they have to – yesterday there was a fake report that Chan Gailey got fired and then ESPN had to deny it because I guess somebody got him on Twitter. But when I watch him play – he really does do a lot of check downs, and I don't recall him doing that at Alabama. Is it the play calling? Is it the structure of the offense? Is it the weapons? Or is it the fact that he's trying to get that ball out because he doesn't want to get hit? How, how do you look at that and be able to evaluate that? I can't do it from TV, but they're in a funny, funny, funny situation, man, uh, about what they should do in the draft. They are. It's a, it's a tough spot because Tua Tungavailoa was arguably the best quarterback in college football, including Joe Burrow until he had that hip injury, including Burrow. I mean, he was limited in that Alabama-LSU game where Burrow led the Tigers past the Crimson Tide, and Tua was balling. I mean, he was still playing at a really, really high level yeah. at less than a 100%. And so when you see him look the way he looks, limited, dump-offs, things that we just didn't see at Bama from the jump. Remember against Georgia, he comes in, he's throwing bombs. Right. And so I, I can't help but wonder, one, is he 100% right from a health standpoint? And the Dolphins will say yes. Okay. Two, you better get him some help. Get him some weapons. Do what you need to do to surround him with talent. So at three, you certainly consider weapons. Consider offensive line. Consider doing whatever you need to help Tua. With that said, it's a quarterback league. And you... You have a rare opportunity, I think, with Brian Flores, because he, I think he's a really good coach and just on the up and up, where you can land a top quarterback again. So if you have your doubts about Tua, don't tie yourself to him. Don't ignore it. 
look at what else is out there. And there's a chance they could, and I'm not sure who it's going to be. Well, it could be Justin Fields. It could be Zach Wilson. They're going to have their shot at one of those two because we know Trevor's going to go one to Jacksonville. At least I think so, even though some think Fields might have leaped him. I don't don't think that's the case. No, it's not. It's it's Trevor. Yeah, exactly. And, And so you have to look at the quarterbacks. You might say, hey, two is better than these guys, but you have to look at them because no one knows outside of Nick Saban, no one knows two are better than you. And you have the third pick. And you might be able to land a Justin Fields. You might be able to land a Zach Wilson if that's who you want. And if you can do that and you feel like they're better than Tua, do it. Trade Tua and, and roll. If not, get a weapon for Tua and open up the offense and, and make it look like Bama. Because I, I am surprised. And I, I covered a game, uh, Dolphins-Bengals, and, and he was so limited. It just seemed really limited on what he was allowed to do. And that might be him. That might be the scheme. Uh, it, it really comes down to the, the Dolphins. Only they truly know. And once they answer that question, I think it answers whether or not they should be in the quarterback market. But you have to take a look since you're picking third. And they picked a uh, left tackle last year early, and he's played pretty well. And they got another rookie right tackle who who's played pretty well. And you're sitting there with a the generational talent at left tackle in Penisuel. And you probably have two really good high-end prospects. I think Trevor uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Field, I think they're both going to be great. Zach Wilson is is a wild card because he, he's kind of an alien and, and, mm-hmm. and has a super freak arm. So do you pass up those positions and take Jamar Chase, who I absolutely love, by the way, as a prospect? Me too. But the thing is, is what you have is you have a situation where Houston's bad luck, which turned into Miami's uh, – Miami's fortune has almost now made it so that Brian, Brian Flores, this is almost like the crossroads for him. I mean, he's the darling of the NFL right now for what he's done, but this can also be a defining moment where, okay, the honeymoon's over. Don't screw this up now. Maybe yep. he's in a position now where he got too much good luck because now he has to make a very, very tough decision. Do you get this guy weapons? Do you admit that you screwed up last year or you and Chris Greer? Or do you redo it again or not do it again? And one of those guys turns out to be great and two as average as, as you know, meatloaf. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and the, the risk is... The cost of your job. is Well, well here's the risk because I actually think two is pretty safe. He's safer than Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's why he was in there as much right. as anything. Yeah, he doesn't turn safe. the ball over, right. He, he's going to run the play. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. And that looks specifically when you're talking about a young quarterback, it's boring. We want exciting, right? We want Justin Herbert throwing it big bombs downfield. Okay, uh, well, that's fine. And I get it. I understand that. That's exciting. It's a grand slam in baseball. At the same time, don't mistake dull, boring, going through the – the reads and playing the game the way it's designed essentially and not going off script as, Oh, he's not going to be good. Cause right. I, I still think Tua can be good. And I, I think that's the thing with the Dolphins. So if that's how they feel, okay, fine. Get him a weapon. Hopefully it's not Jamar chase. Cause I, I know uh, Joe Burrow would love to be reunited with right. five, right. but um, that uh, that's the route I would go if I'm Brian Flores and I want to play it safe. I don't think keeping Tua costs you your job. It's, Oh, moving off of Tua and going to Justin Fields, moving off of Tua, going to Zach Wilson, and then it not working out. Uh, Tua, I I don't think he's going to bust. He might not be as good as Herbert or Burrow, but I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to get you through. And heck, I remember 
you know, Russell Wilson being kind of boring early on in his career. You know, he, he ran some, he ran more, Correct. but it's not like he was putting up huge numbers his rookie year. Dak was boring too. Yeah, exactly. And, right. and so that doesn't mean he's not going to be a good quality starter in the NFL. And I think that's part of it too. Herbert was really exciting. Burrow had a lot of moxie before he got injured. Tua was just kind of there. And in just because he's just there doesn't mean he's not going to be a, a, a st- not even just a starting quarterback, but a quality starting quarterback. Gotcha. So in court, they do this thing when uh, the one lawyer goes, you're a witness. And then he goes, you know what? Can I call them later? I want to call them back to the stand. I want to call the Miami Dolphins back to the stand in our draft segment when we talk about somebody else. Now, let's get to Detroit. And Philly. We're going to run through Detroit and Philly. All these coaching changes and nobody's talking about Detroit. Everybody's talking about, we talked about Atlanta last week. Uh, we talked about Houston a little bit. Who wants to Who wants to coach uh, Deshaun Watson? We spent time today talking about Jacksonville and Los Angeles. I just, it just hit me. We're not bringing up Detroit, man. And Matt Derry is probably like, you know, locked on lines. Like, why ain't y'all talking about my squad? What's going on? What is it? What is it? Are they exciting enough? What, why are we ignoring? Why are we ignoring Detroit? And who do you think is going to get that job? And what has to happen and and to make Motor City come back alive? Oh, <laughs> a lot has to happen, Tony. Who who's getting that job? I really don't know. I, I I it's it's tough for me because to me, if I'm the Lions, I want a guy who's going to right the ship. You know, a guy who can be really the guy they fired a few years ago, they moved on from Jim Caldwell, a guy who's going to keep you at nine and seven, try to get you to the playoffs year in and year out. I mean, they're five and 11. They're drafting seventh. Me personally, what I would do is I would bring in new coach, new GM, and I would find a new quarterback and trade Matt Stafford and enroll with a new regime here because we've seen Matt Stafford and he balls his ass off. And, and I think a change of scenery might do him some good. You might be able to get something in, in return for him. Uh, that's pretty decent. And on the flip side, again, what are you doing to build a winner? They lost four straight to end the season. They hired the wrong guy, Matt Patricia. The guy that would make the most sense in Detroit is my guy, Marvin Lewis. Because I think he would write the ship there, would help build a culture there. I'd feel bad for him, though, because if you coach the Bengals for 16 years, you, you should be able to get the, the Texans job maybe with Deshaun Watson. Right, and right. instead, you might be looking at a potential rebuild in Detroit. But I, I think that that would be an ideal landing spot for Marvin. If you go... Uh, or at least ideal for the Lions. No, you're right. If you go former coach in the NFL, let me go college coach real quick. You ain't going to like this. You might like it, but you might not. Don't do it. I'm going to do it. If you don't, if, if you go coach who's coached before, I go Marvin Lewis. If okay. you really want to move the needle and go solid all around football coach to really come in and be young and say, I want that guy for the next 10, 12 years, I go Luke Fickle. I, I, hate go, you. I know you hate me. I know I you hate you. I go right I, hate you. I, go, I, right to, I go right I in your hometown. That's that that is my that's my <laughs> I went to UC. The University of Cincinnati, the team that should be Peach Bowl champions, but a ridiculous targeting call cost right, them right, right. against the Georgia Bulldogs. Leave it up. And to now me. you want to come in here. Yep. After Zach Taylor won just six games and take the best football coach in Cincinnati away. Yep. In Luke Fickle. That's you, ridiculous. Now tell me that ain't a boss move, though. It is. And, and here's why it is. He's great, great friends. Uh, what's my man doing in Tennessee? 
head coach of Tennessee. Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. What's he doing? Yeah. He's built an, a great, great, physical, awesome program there With where toughness. they go nine and, nine and seven, year in, year out, or better. Yep. Well, guess who's best friends with Mike Vrabel? I can see it. Luke Fickle. Yep. From their days at Ohio State, they are tight. And, yeah, Luke has been pretty picky about where he'd go. But, man, the Detroit Lions come calling. That's tempting. Yeah, That's he's really from, tempting. And he's from the region, so you ain't got to worry about a guy who's worried about the weather. You know what I'm saying? Like no, he wouldn't be worried about the weather. It's 72 degrees in Jacksonville. Today. He may ask so, for a five-year deal, though. I give it to him. No, no problem. You just want good, sound football coaches, and you don't have to win the press conference. You just have to win football games. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I don't know what's going on in Philly, but a lot of people have a problem with what Coach Judge said with, in New York. I think he kind of sandbagged a little bit and put a little bit too much of extra stuff on it. But for the most part, I think he has to look in the mirror. When you win six ball games, you don't deserve to go to the playoffs unless you get help from somebody else. That's fair. Yeah. I, honestly, this wasn't a controversy to me. I didn't give it much thought. I saw all the outrage. Oh, Philly, can't believe you. Look, if I'm a player in that locker room, I'm mad at Doug Peterson and I'm mad at the front office because I'm the one busting my ass in practice each and every day. And I want to try to win this damn game. And you stripped it while I'm, risking my health in a meaningless game that isn't getting us to the postseason. So that part of it, absolutely. But outside of that, I, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to sit on my high horse here and be like, oh, you, you shouldn't do that. Well, the team sit players all the time, and it was unique because, you know, they bench hurts in the middle of the game, and it wasn't performance-based, obviously, and they did it specifically to lose. But, you know, it, it's awkward. It's weird. And it happened, and I'm not a player on the roster, so I'm not going to be mad about it. No doubt about it. You know what you won't be mad at either? You won't be mad at this draft talk we're about to do here in a second. We're going to talk about a prospect. We're going to match that prospect with the team, and then we're going to use a comp, a little bit of a comp to say yay or nay in the first round because the team that I think might need to take a look at him has two first-round picks, and we'll do that in our third and final segment here on Locked On NFL on a Wednesday. The College Football National Championship just around the corner in plenty of big-time NFL playoff matchups. Wild Card Weekend, with everything going on, there's only one place that has you covered, one place we trust. It's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. So you like the Bucks big at Washington? Maybe you think Seattle is going to struggle with the Rams. Doesn't matter the game. Get off the sidelines. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. It's betonline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, here back on a Wednesday, man. Third segment. I got to remind you guys locked on NFL is your team every day, every single day. Peter Bukowski's on Monday, and then we all paired off Tuesday through Friday. We give you coverage and news and notes from around the league, and we're going to give you all the breaking news. We were all over it yesterday, by the way, with the coaching changes. Everybody was doing emergency podcasts. We were getting information out, so uh, kudos to everyone from around the network for participating and helping us spread all of that good news. By the way, you didn't contact Bilt Bar and ask for chili flavor, did you? I I mean, because... (laughs) 
You from Cincinnati? Oh, you, you oh the, the skyline chili. No, yeah, you, I, you, I didn't. Okay, okay, I was just making sure you didn't. You I, see, I, I still I love skyline, and then I have a built bar for dessert. Okay, there you go, there you go. Just just go ahead and eat one of them, and then eat eat the skyline. And don't be calling people bugging them about making chili flavored protein bars, man. That ain't gonna happen, you know. So <laughs> chili, chili and cheese flavor now. Right. So we were talking about. Let's get into the draft. I, I was watching the action this weekend and one of the things that I noticed brother is Najee Harris when I was watching those um, when I was watching those games this weekend that kid is the real deal did you did you see him play did you see the oh yeah at 235 pounds did you see the athletic ability that he displayed when he jumped over that kid's head. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he's just graceful. Does it lands it runs it. I am. Um, he's special. He's a special player. And in the, the world of running backs don't matter. I guarantee you Ohio state right now is, is got headaches. Kerry Combs, the defensive coordinator of the Buckeyes has headaches thinking about how they're going to contain Harris. I know he does. He better have headaches about it. And I'm wondering if NFL people have those same headaches because Derrick Henry went over 2,000 yards this weekend. And in a in a league that swears up and down that guys are obsolete, guys are obsolete, you know, running backs are obsolete. He he sets the identity. He, he helps Ryan Tannehill. We talked about Mike Vrabel. He helps the identity of that football team. He actually turns them into – he helps Jonu Smith. He yeah. helps clear everything out for everybody else. He gets 200 yards when he needs to get 200 yards. Najee Harris, does Najee Harris, I think he's faster. Than, I don't think he's bigger, but I do think he's as fast and maybe a little bit more elusive and probably a better pass catcher than Derrick Henry. That doesn't mean he's a better player. Will there be a team that will say, you know, the Jaguars found James Robinson and he wasn't even drafted? Or this team found that running back in the third round, or we can get uh, ATN in the second round, or we can get that kid from Ohio state. That's running all over everybody, stiff arming everybody. We can get him later. Or does a team that's playing with house money like Miami. And this is where we call Miami back to the stand. And we talk about give somebody weapons and they don't have a running back. And what if they do take Jamar chase with that third pick? And I know you don't want them to. And then with their second first round pick, whether they do it where they are or move back, Take a guy like Najee Harris to give them identity and to help, to help Tua. Can you see that happening? Do you think that they look at it from a Derrick Henry perspective, or do you think they look at it from a perspective of we can find a guy later? And by the way, I hate that term, we can find a guy later, because you're not going to find a Najee Harris later. That's the that's the thing is he's if he runs the way we think he can run in the national championship game, and we've seen him run, owners. GMs, they're going to see it on the biggest stage against the defense that beat up on Trevor Lawrence, that beat up on the Clemson Tigers, and it's going to be like, okay, we can we can roll with him. And so, yeah, I think he's definitely a first round type guy then, right? And, and even so, even if he doesn't do that at, at the national title game, if he if he tests well, I think that's sort of the the key. Now he's twenty two years old, six two, got all the power and athleticism that you that you could desire on the field. Does he test that way? And if he does then he's absolutely a guy that can be a difference maker. And there aren't many difference maker making running backs in the league. I will admit that 
and it matters about scheme. It matters about coaching. What does the offensive coach want to do? What's the plan? And that's that's sort of the key to me when you're talking about running backs because James Robinson, as good as he is, you plug him into the the New Orleans offense, and it's just it's not going to work because they have Alvin Kamara, and that, that offense is revolves around him. Right. The Titans, same same thing. That revolves around Derrick Henry. Henry's not there. Their offense is completely different, and and so there are guys that can do that. And I, I think Harris, the, the underrated part about him, he can catch too. He could catch now out of the yeah, backfield. And, right. and I like that part about him as well because he's bigger, he's hard to tackle, hard to bring down, and athletic, like you said. So I, I could see that happening for sure. It's something for us to watch out for this week. And remember, betonline.ag is where you can go for all of your action, all of your action, betonline.ag. That's what we do. That's who we trust. You go in there for the championship games, the playoff games, and those playoff games that start this weekend too. But it's going to be good to watch those college players. Uh, last last year with the LSU-Alabama game and a few other games throughout the course of the years. It used to be the FSU-Miami game. A few years back, it was Michigan-Ohio State. There's just some games you can watch, and you will run out of fingers if you got a handful of people, if you just count the NFL prospects. And I think this game is another one. This is a good game that if you're a draft nick, watch both running backs, watch both quarterbacks, watch receivers from both teams, watch the corners, watch the edge rushers and the linemen, the linebackers. This game at every single level is full of guys that are going to play on Sunday. So if you're drafting, this is the one that you need to watch. Yeah, it's a damn professional game. I mean, you got Chris Olave running free for the Buckeyes on the other side. Maybe Jalen Waddle. I, I saw he was practicing this week. Maybe he returns. Obviously, Devonta Smith, you know, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. I mean, it it's loaded, loaded, loaded. And uh, and obviously Najee Harris as well. I mean, it's it's got everything you could ask for. Hopefully, it's a good game. I don't want to blow out. I want a good game. I want it to come down to the wire. I want I want some pressure on these guys to to you know to deliver in crunch time. I think yeah. that would be ideal. I think it will be a good game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout either, and uh, certainly it will be good. And it was good joining you again today on Wednesday, man. We had a lot of good fun with the medical procedure that I had. Uh, James was uh, kind enough to tease me about it, but that's okay. I told him a few stories. Uh, we'll be back. So you don't next. want to tell any of those, Tony? No, no, no. We don't, we don't need to share that. Plus, I like my job. So <laughs> we're going to uh, pause with a cause, and we'll see you next week. You guys enjoy the week of football. Remember, you can uh, tune in uh, on Spotify and bring your people, follow along, or subscribe on iTunes and Apple or wherever you get your podcast here. The Locked On NFL. For James Rapine and Tony Wiggins, we're signing off, and we will see you next week.